Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to the New Books Network podcast on animal studies. I'm Akash Andaji, host of the channel, and I'm joined today by Dr. Gregory Forth, who will speak about his book, A Dog Pissing at the Edge of a Path, published by McGill Queen's Press in 2019. Dr. Forth is Professor Emeritus at the University of Alberta and is a fellow of the Royal Society of Canada. Dr. Forth, it's a pleasure. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Now, A Dog Pissing at the Edge of a Path, um, a superb title, by the way, is not the first time you've written on the Nage people of Indonesia, nor is it the first time that you've examined human-animal relations. In in 2009, you published Image of the Wild Men in Southeast Asia, an Anthropological Perspective, which investigated through local systems of knowledge how representations of wild men came to be. Then in 2016, you published Why the Porcupine is Not a Bird, which was a more comprehensive study of the Nage people's knowledge of and relationship to animals. Your most recent study, which we're here to discuss today, is a simultaneously extensive and accessible study of Nage animal metaphors and is clearly built upon years of research and fieldwork. I wondered if you could begin by introducing the Nage themselves and briefly touch upon their history and their location on the island of Flores. And furthermore, could you explain your own relationship to them and what this book in particular represents within your overall study of their communities? Yes, certainly. Um, I first um, discovered, if you will, uh, the Nage in the early 1980s. Uh, Prior to that, I'd done... uh, doctoral fieldwork on an island called Sumba, which uh, is just to the uh, south of um, of Flores Island, where um, where the Nage are um, are, are located. The main reason I I selected uh, to work uh, with uh, Nage people uh, uh, beginning in the 1980s was because of virtually, at that time, there's virtually nothing uh, written uh, about them in uh, um, in the uh, in the literature of anthropology or in any other uh, literature for that uh, matter. So I, I mainly wanted to um, fill in a, a gap and see how they compared with uh, other uh, local people around uh, and um, and about. Um, so yeah, I've been working with Nage now for. Uh, uh, Oh, you know, we're talking uh, 35 uh, years or, um, uh, or, or, or more. The, the Nage live uh, right uh, in the very center of uh, Flores Island. And, and in fact, uh, just below uh, and around um, still uh, active uh, volcano, which uh, usually receives some mention. Uh, in my uh, books, uh, they are um, 
They are primarily subsistence cultivators, which means that they grow uh, crops uh, largely for their own consumption. But in recent years, recent decades, they've uh, they've begun to grow some uh, commercial crops as well, including things like uh, cloves and um, uh, and coffee. Besides cultivating, uh, they do raise uh, they do raise uh, animals. Um, the largest and most important, most valuable of which are, um, are, are water buffalo and uh, and horses, other animals uh, besides. And then, in addition to that, the uh, men are quite avid uh, avid hunters, uh, and it's largely, although not entirely, through uh, the hunt that um, they are familiar. Uh, with, uh, with with the wild animals uh, that uh, occur within their uh, country, I should say that the um, the women are also uh, um, familiar with uh, wild animals um, because they're the ones who butcher and and, and cook the uh, the creatures. So they can be even more knowledgeable than the men about uh, certain aspects of uh, animal. Uh, animal anatomy. Um, my relationship with them is, is pretty intense, actually. I mean, I, I've known many individuals in, in uh, Nage country now for, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, three, uh, three decades or, or, uh, or more. The last time I was there was in uh, 2018, and uh, I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but uh, I look forward to going back, um, going back again. Um, as uh, as regards uh, the present book, a dog pissing at the edge of a path, which is a particular animal metaphor they uh, they uh, employ. Uh, I should say that um, well, first of all, I, I've been interested in, in animal metaphors for a long time, largely in connection with a broader interest in uh, human animal relations in in that part of uh, uh, of um, Indonesia. Um, right from the beginning, I, I, and as part of learning the, the, the local language, I uh, paid attention to uh, to their uh, their metaphors. Um, my, my original plan actually was to include uh, metaphors in uh, a book I published uh, three or four years ago, which I, I think you mentioned. Uh, Why the porcupine is not a bird. This is a, a general work on local uh, folk uh, folk zoology, including naming, classification, and a lot of other things. And yes, I, I was planning to include uh, their animal metaphors in that book, but I, I soon discovered that there were just too many of these things uh, to uh, be accommodated uh, in that uh, in that volume. So uh, I decided to write. Uh, Another book, and indeed, um, uh, dog pissing at the edge of the path is uh, is the result. I, I see. Th thank you for explaining that. It, it helps to be able to visualize it. And in regards to being able to visualize how these metaphors are employed in the daily lives of the Nage, I should note to the listeners that in addition to um, the hundreds of animal metaphors listed in this book, there are about two dozen images that show some very intimate and informative shots of the Nage and the animals they interact with. 
which I assume, Doctor Fourth, that, that you took yourself. And um, and now I'd I'd like to turn to one of the central binaries, which which you briefly mentioned uh, in regards to wild animals, and this helps delineate the various animal metaphors within the book. And it's between the wild and domestic. And in the fourth chapter, there's a metaphor which I found particularly interesting, that of the deer entering the village and how this conveyed an understanding of how the animal did not belong, uh, so to speak, in a human community the way other species might have. So I wondered, how are the Nage's different relationships with wild versus domestic animals reflected in these metaphors? Yeah, um, let me first say that, yes, I, I did uh, take all, all the photographs that uh, are published in the, um, in the book. Um, well, with re- regard to the, the wild domestic uh, distinction, uh, yeah, I might say in, in a number of respects, is isn't, isn't quite the same contrast that, that we would understand uh, by those terms. Um, for example, with regard to pigs, we'll take pigs as an example, um, there, are, uh, there are domestic pigs, pigs that are, are raised and fed in, in villages, but there are also uh, wild pigs. And uh, to uh, some extent, and, and particularly in, in, uh, in decades past, uh, these formed a single population, a single uh, breeding population. Uh, so uh, in many respects, you might say for Nage, uh, pigs are pigs. Uh, and if you look at, uh, at their pig metaphors, um, you, you find it, it's, not, it's not clear in, in, uh, in many cases whether the, uh, the main reference is in fact to uh, a wild or uh, a domestic pig. In some cases, of course, it can be uh, it, 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 it can be uh, it can be both, although in other cases, uh, you know, clearly the the referent is uh, uh, is a wild pig or is um, is is a domestic uh, a domestic pig. Um, I, I'd also say that uh, well, with regard to buffalo, for example, uh, and to some extent horses. Uh, no longer, but uh, not so long ago, there were wild, uh, which is to say, feral populations of those uh, of those animals. At one time, buffalo were, for a large part, uh, allowed just to range uh, freely down on on the plains. Uh, and then, when uh, a buffalo was required for a sacrifice, uh, one would be uh, one would be caught and. Uh, back to the village, would undergo a period of uh, uh, taming, you might say, or indeed uh, domestication, um, so that, uh, you know, it, it's not going to uh, run away and, and, and uh, would be easier to handle and, uh, and all the rest of it. So you can see in that regard as well, there's a kind of continuity here between the wild uh, and, the, um, uh, and the, the domestic um, uh, just one other point I, I would make, uh, and this is kind of putting animals in the entire context of, uh, of Nage worldview or, or cosmology, as uh, you might want to uh, say. Um, according to uh, Nage, uh, wild animals, particularly wild mammals, like wild pigs and uh, um, 
other other wild uh, uh, mammals. Um, wild mammals are, are, are the domestic animals, the livestock, if you will, of an important category of, of forest forest spirits. Um, and yeah, to some extent, conversely, these wild spirits are believed to uh, to um, consider humans, domestic animals, to be uh, uh, to be wild. So that that's that's quite an important uh, aspect of, of uh, their cosmology, their religion, particularly as it uh, as it concerns um, as it concerns animals. Um, so uh, what's to say about that? Well, one thing is is that um, this kind of belief, which you might want to call a religious belief, um, interestingly enough, and this is, I think, one of the main findings of my uh, study, um, it, it doesn't figure in the metaphors. That is to say, um, one doesn't find uh, uh, metaphors that uh, employ wild animals where the animal is selected uh, because of its association with uh, with spirits, its identification as, as uh, a domestic animal of uh, of the uh, of the forest uh, forest spirits. In fact, uh, yeah, for the uh, largest part, indeed, um, the uh, metaphors are, are motivated by by specific physical and behavioural features of, of the uh, of the uh, animal concerned. Um, you wanted to say something about deer entering villages, I think. Uh, yes, that, that was one of the metaphors that I that drew me. Yeah, yeah. Um, deer entering a village uh, refers to uh, a person who uh, finds him or herself in an unfamiliar situation uh, and is kind of, well, like a deer in the headlights, you might say, to... Uh, employ an English uh, metaphor is, is kind of kind of stunned, traumatized, just doesn't know what to do, doesn't know, uh, doesn't know how to behave. Um, yeah, so there you've got an animal in an unfamiliar uh, uh, situation, um, exemplified indeed by, uh, by a human village. Um, how often do deer enter villages? Um, possibly not... Uh, not very uh, often, but one can imagine how deer, being nervous animals, would uh, behave if they find themselves uh, if they found themselves suddenly kind of constrained in their their movements and, and uh, in a very unfamiliar uh, environment. How they how they would behave in that uh, in that situation. Thank you. Yes, I and many of the points that you've just touched on will hopefully come up in the uh, following questions and in our discussion. One of them had to do with the qualities of the animal and how, whether domestic or wild, the, the metaphors first and foremost seem to often drop on these qualities. And looking at the specific human-animal associations within these metaphors, I noticed that a significant number of them detailed in your study pertain to sexual relations among the Nage. Mm -hmm. And though no animal is exclusively associated with a particular gender, there do seem to be some patterns that emerge. Um, for instance, describing 
men as dogs and women often as pigs. Did you find in your research that there were such gendered associations within animal metaphors? And and if so, did these arise principally from the habits or, or physical properties of certain animals? Yeah. Um, can I just go back a bit to the wild domestic uh, contrast? Um, I, I do use that opposition to or for uh, certain analytical uh, purposes. And one of those was uh, when I was asking, well, why is it that some animals uh, appear in a greater number of metaphors than do other animals? Uh, And indeed, uh, on the whole, with certain interesting exceptions, but on the whole, um, it's domestic animals that are are more uh, prominent. Um, and the answer uh, to the question uh, is, I, I think, that uh, it's because uh, domestic animals are, are closer physically and in other ways to uh, Nagi than our uh, wild animals, so they're, they're, more, they're more familiar. Um, that, that would basically be my, my perspective there. But again, getting back to... Um, uh, about sexual associations, uh, one one general point I would make is that uh, uh, most metaphors, uh, and I think this applies to animal metaphors in, in other languages, other uh, societies as well, most metaphors uh, focus on, on, on a particular feature of, of the animal in question, um, maybe a particular physical feature or, or a particular way they, they will act in a certain way. Uh, uh, situation. Um, male, female, on the other hand, is a very um, is a very general uh, uh, contrast. So, um, yeah, it'd be difficult to uh, draw up a list of female animals and, and, and male animals uh, in the, um, in the context of, of Nage culture. On the other hand, as, as you point out, there are uh, there appear to be certain certain patterns. Um, uh, dogs are uh, associated with, with, with men uh, more than women, um, and, and particularly with, with male sexuality. There are, on the other hand, sub-dog metaphors which refer specifically and exclusively to uh, uh, a, a woman. Um, on the other hand, um, yeah, there are a number of metaphors in, in which uh, pigs... Uh, um, the term pig, uh, as a metaphor, uh, refers to um, to women. That <laughs> that sounds rather bad, actually, uh, as stated in English, uh, but not nearly so bad in um, not nearly so bad in uh, in Nage. Um, but why this uh, female association? Well, there are a number of uh, points to uh, uh, make about uh, Nage social life. Um, in fact, um, it, it, it's yeah, traditionally it, it's women uh, who are charged with looking after uh, pigs, which were raised in and around the, the village um, and, and even housed beneath uh, uh, houses, which are, are raised some, um, some, some distance off the ground on, uh, on stilts or, uh, or, or piles, uh, chickens or another. Uh, domestic creature that uh, women are responsible um, responsible for. So that's one the source of the association. Um, 
On the other hand, uh, to uh, uh, cite a second instance, um, I have to talk about bride price. And I suppose most people will, uh, will understand that is uh, to refer to goods that uh, are given by a husband's group, uh, more or less in exchange for, uh, for, for, for a bride, for uh, a, a wife. Um, the fact is that all animals, domestic animals, can be used as, uh, as bride wealth, uh, with one exception, and that is the pig. Uh, and instead of the husband's group uh, giving pigs to uh, uh, the woman's group, the wife's group, therefore, it's the wife's group that employed pigs as a kind of counter-gift counter uh, to the husband's group's uh, bride price. So you can say that in marriage, as women you know, move between houses and, and, and uh, communities, that, that the pigs travel um, with the women. Um, Another point to make in this regard is that uh, pigs, wild pigs, are uh, a major game animal. Uh, so they're hunted um, mainly by men, male humans. Um, but uh, when they hunt, uh, male humans are always accompanied by, by hunting dogs. So there's another contrast uh, in, in which, uh, you know, the, the, the dog-pig uh, opposition maps on to uh, the male-female um, opposition. There's also, I mean, pigs are a, a major sacrifice as well as a major object of the, the hunt. Uh, pig meat, pig flesh, is, is very much uh, favoured. It's, it's, it's a prized uh, uh, food. Uh, so one can uh, bring in there the universal, I think it's fair to say, um, association of uh, eating and uh, and sexuality. Um, in this case, uh, it, it, it's it's the female uh, who is the uh, in, in both instances it's, it's the female who is uh, who is consumed, uh, so to speak. So there's quite a lot favouring uh, um, an identification of pigs in animal metaphors uh, with. Uh, with women, um, at the same time, um, at the same time, there, there are a number of, uh, of peg metaphors that can refer to humans of uh, of either sex. I see. Yeah, and definitely, there's this element of animal usage, and which which you've just touched on, and. As, as a slight counterpoint to, to that, some of the metaphors um, discussed in the book don't relate um, explicitly to these human-animal associations. They, they, they don't refer explicitly to, to humans. They, they, there might be an animal metaphor that refers to another animal species or a, a plant or, or some inanimate object. And I, I wondered if, uh, if this process of naming, if you could discuss that and and more generally the constitution of these metaphors and, and perhaps the folk nomenclature of the Nage and, uh, and, and some of the elements which, which struck out to you and, and, and which you discuss in this book. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, most, most metaphors do, in fact, uh, refer to human beings. But, but you're quite right that uh, uh, 
there's a, a good number where uh, we're dealing with a, a metaphoric uh, name for another kind of animal altogether or for a plant um, or, or for some other kind of phenomenon like like the rainbow which is called uh, an ascending uh, ascending snake um, because of its long thin shape and uh, its various colors as well uh, to uh, to some extent um, yeah there are cases where um, a plant uh, for example is named after an animal um, for instance there is a kind of rattan or cane called uh, Deer rattan, uh, which is so named, uh, I'm told, and I, I, it's the most likely explanation, is so named uh, because uh, um, the shape um, suggests a, a deer's uh, a deer's hoof, or part of the plant uh, shape of part of the plant suggests uh, a deer's uh, a deer's hoof. Um, there is uh, a pig uh, a pig prawn. So the bat of pigs, um, which are so named according to the standard interpretation, because uh, they're, they're quite dark in colour, as are uh, as typically our uh, uh, local pigs, or, or they were at any rate before uh, uh, introduced kinds uh, became available on the island. Uh, but also the the shape of the back. Uh, of the prawn or crustacean suggests uh, suggests a pig. Um, there's also a pig wasp. What's that all about? Well, um, again, the, the the wasp, the insect in question, is also largely dark in in color, like a pig. But in that case, there's an additional point um, that in, in the local interpretation uh, concerning the. The, the, the sound that the wasp makes, which um, suggests uh, the sort of high-pitched squeal of, uh, of a pig. So in those cases, uh, indeed, there is a resemblance between the, uh, the, the uh, metaphorical animal and uh, the, the animal or, or plant that uh, the name refers to. In other instances, though, it's not quite uh, so straightforward. You have... Um, you have a, a buffalo uh, cricket. Uh, you have a number of, of uh, uh, things, in fact, uh, plants as well that uh, um, are named after buffalo or, or after dogs or after chickens. And uh, what we're concerned with mostly here uh, is a kind of a, a, an analogy, uh, an overall comparison uh, related to size so that... Uh, where you have two or three different kinds of a thing, it's the largest kind that will be called the buffalo kind, simply because the water buffalo by far is, is the largest uh, animal, domestic or wild, known to uh, the nage, and the dogs are sort of uh, intermediate. Um, chickens are, are the smallest. So, uh, for example, uh, there are two... Um, uh, uh, two kinds of, according to the local folk taxonomy, there are uh, two kinds of uh, monitor lizards uh, that are known to the uh, Nage. And uh, the smaller kind of these, which may actually be immature specimens of the over kind, of the other kind, but I won't go uh, 
into that. Uh, the smaller kind is called the, the, the chicken monitor, chicken monitor lizard. Uh, likewise, uh, Nage reckon there are two kinds of, um, uh, of, uh, of pit vipers, uh, and, and the smaller uh, kind is called the, uh, is called the, the chicken, the chicken viper. Um, so, um, yeah, no, that, 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 uh, so, so there are at least two uh, and, and possibly more, uh, uh, ways in which you can explain this kind of, uh, naming. Um, talking about names, uh, uh as a whole though, um, it, it, it uh, to, to varying degrees, uh, I, I show how, um, Certain animals are selected to serve as, as metaphors, serve as a particular kind of metaphor, um, because of the name uh, and the way in which the uh, name matches or, or fits with uh, other uh, other terms uh, in the standard metaphorical um, expression. I can give a few. Um, English examples of this, actually, which, which may be more familiar to the listeners. Uh, in English, we have a number of, uh, of expressions which are classifiable indeed as animal metaphors, like uh, uh, copycat, uh, talk turkey, loosey-goosey, and uh, on and on. Why geese and turkeys and so on? Well, uh, again, as you can see in those cases, it has to do either with uh, um, alliteration uh, between the animal name and, and, and the other name, the other term, uh, or indeed with, uh, with rhyme. We're dealing here with uh, a, a general feature of, uh, well, of, of po poetic uh, language especially, and that is, is prosody, whereby um, a, a kind of a, a, a meter, uh, a kind of rhythm is produced by a phrase uh, on the basis of rhyme uh, of uh, alliteration, or indeed of, of assonance, which is uh, where you have an agreement of, of vowels between the uh, between the uh, words. So this actually isn't something that I, I discovered when it first came to uh, uh, well writing the book and analyzing uh, um, various uh, various methods. So yeah, you you find prosody, rhyming, and so on uh, in a number, quite a number of expressions where the, the animal has been selected for other reasons because of what it looks like or the way it typically behind, behaves. But um, in addition, uh, you, you have the, the, the name fits as, as well, that the, the name uh, helps uh, in uh, the way the, uh, the animal name, the animal does duty in the uh, in a metaphor, at the same time, there are a number of cases uh, which I discuss where, yeah, like talk turkey or, or copycat, um, you know, the, the, the selection of the animal uh, appears to be uh, entirely or, or largely arbitrary. Yes, well, I, I, I'm very interested by what you mentioned um, regarding the buffalo and chicken uh, associations being used in this kind of variable sense, uh, depending on the size of, of what it, what they're being associated with, and um, and chickens uh, appear a, a number in, in a number of metaphors, and 
one that drew my attention was that of chickens of God, uh, this, this metaphor. And reading your explanation of it, I was struck by how it seems to suggest that the Nage symbolically, at least, view humans as animals when in relation to a divinity. And this sort of metaphor um, is, I find at least, that is clearly also present in Abrahamic religions. Um, mm-hmm. The Christian example of sheep and the shepherd or the lambs of God coming to mind. Uh, c- could you elaborate upon the relationship of Nage animal metaphors, as well as perhaps their animal practice to their spirituality and their religion and, and, and other rituals? Yeah. Um, well, I've, I might first mention that, uh, yes, yeah, so the, the, the Bible is, is, is full of uh, animal metaphors. There is uh, uh, one that comes to mind uh, whereby humans are, are uh, compared to ants, uh, in in the eyes of God, meaning they are very small and you know uh, uh, insignificant by uh, comparison to uh, to the to the divinity uh, to to God. Um, the same point applies to um, uh, to chickens, but in the Nage case, um, uh, another. Uh, perhaps a more important point is, is that uh, uh, chickens, like other domestic animals, uh, are valuable, uh, especially as um, as sacrifices. Uh, so, in, in the Nage case, uh, chickens of God uh, means, apart from the you know relative insignificance of, of humans in relation to God, it means that uh, God uh, determines. Uh, the fate of, uh, of of human human individuals uh, decides, you know, uh, which one is uh, uh, is going to meet his or her uh, his or her end. Um, determines, you know, how long a person will uh, will live, and uh, and so on. So yeah, fate uh, more or less covers. Uh, Covers that, but, but particularly in, in relation to this idea that uh, uh, Nage indeed uh, raised chickens and other things in order to in order to kill them. Um, I, I, I believe something similar. Well, um, something similar is uh, is involved in uh, the Christian uh, uh, metaphors of uh, uh, of sheep and. Uh, uh, and lambs uh, in biblical times in the Middle East, uh, sheep uh, were a primary uh, sacrificial uh, sacrificial animal. Um, Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God. I think I'm, I'm correct in, in saying, which uh, fits with the idea that. Uh, uh, Christ was was the son of uh, son of God, but also, of course, uh, uh, ultimately he was a uh, uh, a, a, a sacrifice. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, with with water buffalo as as well, um, there is the idea that if not God, then then some kind of spiritual being. Um, sacrifices human beings, nage human beings, uh, in the form of invisible spirit uh, 
spirit buffalo. Um, that's not quite the model of, uh, of the good shepherd <laughs> and humans being uh, sheep in relation to the divinity because the emphasis there in the Christian uh, tradition is on, on, on care and, uh, and nurturance. Um, uh, nevertheless, I mean, the fact is that, that uh, one of the uh, important functions that... Uh, that sheep and lamb uh, serve uh, wherever they're raised is uh, is as victims and uh, is is as food. So there's there's more to this comparison than uh, at first um, at first meets the eye. Um. Yeah. So there was another point there. I don't know if I can uh, quite uh, quite uh, bring it. Oh yes, indeed. This is an important one. I talked about water buffalo as being. Um, sorry, a human being, uh, I meant to say, as being uh, the buffalo, the spirit buffalo of a certain kind of, uh, a certain kind of spirit. Um, that is not, as I, I take pains to point out, um, that is not a metaphor for uh, Nage. Uh, unlike, um, you know, humans being the chickens of uh, of God. Um, the buffalo-human spirit relationship uh, for Nage is, is a belief. In other words, uh, they believe that um, when uh, these, uh, these spirits um, sacrifice a buffalo, then somebody down here below uh, will, uh, will die. I see, I see. And um, the individual relationship they have with each animal is clearly quite different, and water buffaloes uh, occupy this this uh, space, as you describe, uh, that's unique in regards to their faith. One of the animals that I find tends to, within animal studies broadly, always kind of separate itself from the herd uh, so to speak, are monkeys. Uh, they have this strange quality of uh, being between worlds. And you refer to new, some uh, monkey metaphors in this book. And I wonder if we could discuss them in particular for, for a moment. They, you mentioned how their physical resemblance to humans influenced the relatively large number of metaphors that, that refers to them. And there seems to be a parallel interpretation of monkeys at various stages in Western society, the, the mock band designation, the trickster connotation, uh, as well as the, their association with sexual promiscuity. Um, so they're within the book, they're classified along with wild animals, but I, I wonder what makes them unique among wild animals or animals generally, and, and if you could speak to their, their particular metaphors. Yeah, well, a monkey metaphors are particularly um, uh, numerous. Um, in fact, among mammals, I think they, they come a kind of close second to dogs and uh, and buffalo, um, water buffalo. So, yeah, they're, they're far more numerous uh, in animal metaphors than our other uh, wild uh, animals. Um well, you know, the resemblance to humans is uh, uh, is important. It's certainly not uh, irrelevant. But I, um, 
you know, clearly any any animal uh, that's used as a metaphor for human beings uh, is seen to resemble uh, humans in, in some particular way, even if only in a, a very uh, a restricted way. Um, I, um, I, I think the point about monkeys is that they are a very familiar animal uh, in Nage country. In fact, on Flores Island, uh, Flores Island generally, where, where they are in most places a major uh, agricultural pest. They, they, they consume crops uh, and, and they're very, very difficult to, uh, to control, uh, um, largely because of their, uh, uh, of their uh, intelligence uh, as local people, um, local people uh, recognize. Um, so, so they are. Uh, they, they, as I say somewhere, I think uh, they're. Uh, you know, anybody um, visiting uh, um, uh, Flores, uh, the first uh, wild animal, wild mammal at any rate, they're likely to see is uh, is a monkey, and and, and that, uh, or indeed a whole troop of monkeys. And uh, a reason for that is, uh, one reason for that, uh, not the only reason, uh, but one reason is, is that they are kept as, uh, uh, as pets. So you, you can see, uh, you can see uh, monkeys now and again inside, uh, inside villages. But even outside of that context, they are uh, a commonly encountered animal. So they compare with, uh, with domestic animals in that uh, in that respect, um, talking about their the human features, I, I uh, um, something I mentioned in the uh, other uh, the other book uh, on human animal relations among Nagi root um, comes from uh, uh, um, yeah it, it comes from an observation by by Francis Bacon, uh, who said um, it addeth deformity to an ape. To be so like a human. Um, in other words, uh, uh, monkeys are, are held to a high standard, uh, indeed a, a, a human standard, uh, and uh, for that reason they, they often come up uh, short. So in the Nage case, um, uh, monkey face means, means ugly. Uh, to describe uh, uh, an unattractive human appearance, you, you use the monkey, the monkey metaphor, um, which may, may seem somewhat ironic because uh, monkeys, are, of course, are, are the animal um, yeah, on Flores. They're, they're the animal that, that most closely resembles uh, uh, a human being. Um, whereas, on the other hand, uh, just to strike a contrast, uh, a, a metaphor referring to a handsome man um, translates as a fine stallion. Uh, now, you wouldn't expect uh, any handsome man to look really anything like uh, uh, like horses. Um, but, but again, uh, different standards uh, are involved there, but nevertheless brought together in this uh, particular standards of attractiveness. Uh, in horses and humans, respectively, uh, but, but these are nevertheless uh, brought together in that uh, that metaphor. Um, uh, whereas, yeah, monkeys, on the other hand, uh, too much like humans to uh, uh, 
uh, really appear in, in, in too many positive metaphors. Uh, animal metaphors, yeah, for a large part, are, are quite negative, which is to say that when they're applied to humans, uh, they're used in a kind of uh, a, a, critical, uh, um, a critical way. Not always, but uh, this is very uh, often the case. I, offhand, I can't say how, how much uh, monkeys differ uh, in that regard, but just uh, casting my mind back, it seems to me that there are not too many uh, monkey metaphors that are terribly, uh, are terribly positive. I see. And uh, I just want to say thank you, Dr. Forth, for, for explaining all this. And um, I, I do have a kind of final question that veers a little bit away from the metaphors themselves. So, um, and, and, and that is, I, I thought we could briefly discuss the methodology or, or theoretical underpinnings of your study. And you address these in your introductory chapter, as well as in, in chapter two, which provides a in-depth consideration of, of metaphor itself. And you make clear efforts to explain this theory and, and this foundation in regards to metaphor. And, and I think that readers will find it extremely helpful in understanding both the book uh, when, when they do read it, as well as other studies that draw upon symbols and metaphors. Um, one of the points you emphasize um, throughout is, is that many Nage animal metaphors are comparable in some regards to Western or English counterparts. And you also discuss how some scholars, namely some anthropologists, perhaps go too far in their relativism and I, and I wonder if you could position your own work in regards to this um, ontological turn that you referred to in chapter two and, and, and the scholarship of, of metaphor. Yeah. Um, we're talking about relativism. I think I have a longstanding criticism of mine of anthropology, of cultural anthropology, is that there are too much, uh, um, that there's been too much uh, emphasis on differences uh, between different. Uh, uh, different uh, uh, people with not enough attention applied to similarities and uh, uh, and continuities. In fact, I, I think very often the, um, the the differences where they exist have been uh, have been uh, exaggerated. Um, talking about methodology, I, I um, there are two things I would mention straight away uh, include first of all the fact that uh, I, I I treat metaphor animal metaphors in a kind of a common sense way. So I, I, I'm, I'm talking here about standard um, figurative uh, expressions uh, so that, for example, when somebody is called uh, um, or described as, uh, you know, a, a fat pig uh, or, or, uh, or a fox or snake in the grass or whatever, um, there is uh, quite an immediate realization on the part of the user that uh, you know that they're talking about a human being and not uh, and not a reptile or, or uh, um, uh, a domestic uh, non-human uh, human animal so yeah animal metaphors my usage is, is what most people would understand uh, um, by that uh, term at the same time I uh, um, and, and Really, this point follows on. I, I distinguish between metaphor and, and belief in respect of uh, of animals. So that, uh, uh, for example, um, I've mentioned it previously. 
uh, with regard to, to buffalo sacrifice, the whole ideology of uh, buffalo sacrificing. Um, um, yeah, that entails this belief that not only do humans uh, sacrifice earthly buffalo, but there are these spirits um, that, that have buffalo of their own, uh, invisible buffalo, uh, which they too slaughter. And, and you know, this brings about uh, uh, a human uh, a human death. So, so we, we have to we have to distinguish the. Uh, the figurative uh, from the uh, lit, uh, literal. I, um, I, I also want to say that um, for a long time now uh, in anthropology, uh, reflecting an influence from uh, structuralism, uh, structural linguistics, uh, Levi-Strauss and others have, uh, have used uh, metaphor, the term metaphor and related concepts like uh, metonymy um, in a very broad, indeed, a, a metaphorical kind of a way, um, to uh, refer to, yeah, among other things, uh, animals and animal-human uh, relationships. So, uh, to take my buffalo example again, I, I think many people would would regard uh, um, that that relationship between. Uh, spirits and buffalo and, and, and humans as, as metaphorical. Um, so it, insofar as that's the case, um, they, they, would, they would be uh, calling a, a metaphor, something that I uh, understand to uh, be a belief. Also, I'm talking about the ontological uh, relativists, the proponents of uh, um, this ontological turn, uh, there has been at the same time a kind of a, a rejection of, of, of metaphor um, in, in, in one sense, um, insofar as, as there's an argument that what other people, other anthropologists have understood to be metaphors uh, are, are, are no such thing. This is a, a, an incorrect uh, interpretation. Indeed, this is a kind of an imposition of, of a Western point of view uh, on certain ideas and ways of, of speaking. Um, instead, it tends to be argued that other people um, are, 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 are speaking quite literally of, of, of certain relationships uh, um, between uh, between things that we would consider to be uh, metaphorical uh, expressions. So, so, so that's a, a distinction. At the same time, the ontological relativists have problems with, uh, um, with, with notions of belief um, as well. Again, tending, it's difficult to generalize here, but tending to argue that, uh, well, what we would identify as, as some particular cultural beliefs are the truth for other people are, are uh, um, yeah other people's uh, 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 other people's reality. Um, one could uh, one could also say so. Yeah, um, quite a bit of difference, I think, from from my uh, my approach. At the same time, I, I, you know, I, I I would point out, I should point out that. Um, uh, the ontologists ha haven't um, haven't paid a great deal of attention, uh, hardly any at all, to uh, 
to animal metaphors, which was one of the reasons why I, uh, I wrote this uh, book um, as a way of saying, look, you know, there are all these hundreds and hundreds of uh, animal metaphors in this non-Western society, which uh, um, are, are figurative. Uh, they they uh, concern a kind of uh, um, involve a, a kind of conscious. Uh, uh, symbolism and, and, and in many cases they're quite um, they're quite comparable to uh, uh, many of the animal metaphors that we uh, uh, that, that um, English uh, English speakers uh, um, employ. Actually, I, I have a kind of favourite in that regard. If if you want to hear it, of course, please. <laughs> Well, this actually involves a, a, a Nage animal metaphor um, in relation to uh, an English metaphor which doesn't uh, um, doesn't uh, involve animals, but it, it conveys basically the same uh, the same idea. Um, in English, we we, uh, we say uh, of uh, people who say, pack a lot of luggage or take a lot of material things with them when they uh, travel, that, uh, um, you know, they, 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 they're taking everything but the kitchen sink. Um, I think on a, a variant of that, you can say, uh, yeah, they're taking even the <laughs> kitchen sink uh, as well. Um, now they don't have uh, uh, kitchen sinks. Um, but uh, as a fixture of Nage houses, there are, uh, we can say, certain biting insects, um, namely fleas and bed bugs. Very difficult to get rid of, by the way, as much as one would uh, like to. Uh, so in that case, uh, uh, when um, the occupants uh, of a house uh, vacate the building en masse to travel somewhere or, or for what other reason, usually to travel uh, somewhere. When literally everybody goes, uh, they don't say, oh, well, you know, uh, everything's gone except the kitchen sink or everything's gone, uh, including the kitchen sink. What they say is, uh, oh, um, they've taken everything. They've even... Uh, uh, beaten the floors and uh, walls uh, so they can take a look, they can extract and take along the uh, bed bugs and, uh, uh, and flee. So in that case, the same principle, it's the same idea, but in one case you uh, have a, a metaphorical use of, uh, of insects and, and uh, um, in the other, a piece of uh, kitchen furniture. That's very funny. I I I I have some experience with uh, with such bikes, so I I can understand how they would drive. Um, Doctor Forth, it, it was a true pleasure uh, reading your book, and thank you so much for taking the time to to speak with me today. Uh, may I ask if you intend to continue researching uh, human animal relations or animal metaphors in in, in your future work? Um, I, I do. I not not so much uh, not so much metaphors. Although I, I, I've written a couple of uh, papers that, uh, um, well, one in particular that's uh, to be uh, uh, published. I hope sometime soon, which uh, well talks about uh, animal metaphors in, in regard to this contrast of metaphor and uh, uh, and belief. But yeah, I, I continue to uh, write about. Uh, uh, about human knowledge of, uh, and uh, relationships uh, towards uh, non-human animals.
Wonderful. I, I look forward to reading it. Um, thank you, Dr. Forrest, and thank you to our listeners. This has been um, part of an, the Animal Studies podcast series on the New Books Network. Uh, my guest today was Dr. Gregory Forrest, uh, whose book uh, is A Dog Pissing at the Edge of a Path, which will be listed on the page for this podcast.